Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. Podcast for people who want to make disciples and multiply groups and churches everywhere. Today we're going to listen in on a conversation between David Brugrick and Jerry Truesdale. Jerry's written a book called Miraculous Movements, How Hundreds of Thousands of Muslims Are Falling in Love with Jesus. So Jerry, uh, you've recently written a book called Miraculous Movements. It's been a bestseller. Could you tell us a little bit about this book? Well, I was surprised as anyone uh, that uh, the, the book has done so well, but um, we're very thankful and grateful for over the last couple of years. It's uh, It's been well, very well received. Uh, the book, Miraculous Movements, How Hundreds of Thousands of Muslims Are Falling in Love with Jesus, was really um, written to, be, to do a couple of things. First of all, to tell the story of the reality that Muslims in, in amazing numbers are coming to faith. God has somehow f- flipped a switch about 10 years ago, and something has begun to happen in Muslim communities. We're, we're fully aware that there are certain principles that help facilitate movements, but we're also more fully aware that what is happening is not man-made that God is doing something unique. And so Miraculous Movements is the story. It attempts to unpack the principles, and the, and almost all of the principles are counterintuitive. They just don't make any sense based on how we've always done missions, and yet they sound a lot like how Jesus uh, operated. And so and so it's, um, it's a story of how Jesus made disciples and how we can do similar sorts of things. It starts with um, prayer, the whole prayer initiative that uh, is, is one of those don't leave home without and try this without prayer, much prayer. And, and, it, and it ends with the, the sacrifice principle that um, it's going to cost something to do this. And in the middle of all of that are, are principles that are revolutionizing the way ministry is done, not just among Muslims, but really ministry is done among people in cities and communities who are Hindus, who are postmoderns, who are all sorts of folks, um, are discovering their way to becoming Christ followers. So we're calling these uh, disciple-making movements, and uh, the book focuses on uh, some areas of the country where we're seeing these movements happen. Can you describe a little bit about what you've seen as you wrote the book and uh, describe to us the scene? How, what do these movements look like? What is currently happening? Well, some of the characteristics of the movements are that people are not being taught and preached to as much as they are discovering the Word of God on their own. And in the context of discovering, they're committing to um, obey whatever they learn. Now, when I first heard that concept, I said, as a pastor who had spent years in seminaries and so forth to, to know how to preach good sermons, hopefully, and I never did feel like I ever quite measured up to my own expectations, and and but I worked really hard at it. For me, the idea that people could just read the Bible and a group of lost people could get together and reflect on what they had read and then come up with conclusions as to how to obey that uh, at multiple levels seemed like insanity to me. Uh, it just uh, it was just. Uh, uh, ama- amazing naivete, and uh, the reality is, it does work. Now we've seen, you know, uh, you know, tens of thousands of churches planted, hundreds of thousands, almost a million people we've seen come to faith by a very simple process. 
And many of these things are happening in the most unusual places, the most unlikely places. And and the amazing thing is it's not professionals that are doing it. It's 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 ordinary and unlikely people are the people that are doing the heavy lifting in movements. And it's amazingly just like Jesus' ministry. Jesus picked the same sort of people. He did not have an A-list, and it was intentional. <laughs> it was intentional uh, so that I think people would say it's not, a, it's not as Paul, the Apostle Paul, it's not us, it's the Lord. So anyone uh, listening to this audio is busy learning about disciple-making movements and some of the counterintuitive principles, uh, learning how to make disciples, learning new terms like person of peace, discovery Bible study. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned in this journey over the last couple of years? Well, for me, I have learned um, in my 60s, I have learned that the Word of God is more powerful than I ever knew it was. That the Word of God is self-validating in the ears of people God who has, has prepared to hear, hear and obey. I, I have learned that uh, people that that uh, the world would say, you know, they don't read or write, so they really don't, uh, you know, we'll find something for them to do in the church of Jesus Christ, but it won't be in a leadership role, that that is wrongheaded. Uh, because, not, not because it seems crazy, but because God has decided otherwise. Consistently in history, God chooses the things that are not to bring glory to himself. And when you see that up close again and again and again, all of a sudden you realize that God is very serious about his glory. The, I've learned that the principle of the Lord of the harvest is fundamental to everything in missions. It's, it, is, it was no accident that Jesus said, the harvest is fruitful. And, and, and that one itself was an amazing statement because looking where he was looking, the people who are going to kill him. He said, this is a fruitful harvest. And, and, and then he says the most amazing things. He says to his disciples, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to fling forced workers into the harvest. The Lord of the harvest principle, David, is, the, is a principle I have discovered in my own life, and I, I really want to write about this that I believe is foundational because most of us historically see missions as something we do for God, as something that, that, that we do, and, and we do sort of the heavy lifting, but we ask God to bless it. And the reality is when we approach it the way I think that Jesus, uh, we see Jesus approaching things in Matthew 9 and Matthew 10 as he sends out the 12 and he gives them their marching orders. When we approach it that way, we come to a deep understanding that no human being can do this. It's a miracle every time someone is saved. It's a miracle every time a church is planted. It's a miracle every time a Muslim community within uh, 18 months gets radically transformed. And, and, and the day that any Christian takes credit for that is the day the Lord's going to find someone else to use. And the Lord of the harvest is the core of everything. It is the point at which we come to the reality of understanding that it's God's work. And he gives us an enormous privilege to come alongside and join him and be a junior partner and do what he's called us to do, which is different than what much mission and ministry 
historically has been to do what he's called us to do so that he can do what only he can do. So listening to this uh, audio of uh, a whole lot of people that are starting out, they're learning some new principles, and they're kind of figuring out where to from here. What advice a couple of years down the road now would you give to someone that's starting out? Where do they start? What do they do? Uh, give us some next steps. Well, I would, I would say um, that you're really going to need to buckle your um, uh, seat belts, but you don't know it yet. Because as you start out in something like this, in disciple-making movements, it's not very glamorous. It's, you're, you're just looking for somebody. You're praying a lot. You're asking other people to join you in prayer. And you're looking for somebody, and you have no idea who they are. You're looking for a person of peace. But the reality is you're going to find out that people of peace are more hungry to find you than you are to find them because they're desperate for the thing that you have and they don't which is a relationship with a living God who loved them. Um, and, and, but they know they're hungry for something. And so, um, uh, and, and so I would say to somebody who's starting out, you're about to uh, enter a journey where you're going to find people that want to be found. And, and you're going to just give them an opportunity to let God speak directly into their hearts without um, us refining it and improving on the Bible. Uh, to allow the Word of God to do what the, only the Word of God can do in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Those are the types of things that you're going to discover. And they're, a little, they're very counterintuitive to the way that we're taught to, that mission is working hard and being diligent and locking on, walking on, the, on a lot of doors. One of the things that you need to understand, it's not about modern marketing principles. Modern marketing says you throw impressions out through direct mail or radio or television or whatever, you throw the impressions out and a certain percentage will come back and respond, small percentage. Um, this isn't that. This is finding the person that God's prepared their heart and inviting them towards a journey that's going to change their life. And as their life change changes, their friends and their family's life change, and you get to watch the unraveling of the tapestry of what God wants to do in a family and in a community, and in a whole nation. So we, we go out, we find this person of peace that is desperate to find us, and we start this thing that we're learning about, this discovery Bible study or discovery group. Um, can you describe this group a little bit, maybe tell us a story that of something that you've seen? What, what is the real power of, of this discovery process? Well, the discovery process, again, I... I I, when I first heard about the discovery process, I said, that will never work. 30,000 churches later, I'm prepared to say I was wrong. Um, I think it's time to admit that. Um, um, the discovery process is a very simple process. Um, I'm going to, I think I, sometimes I tell this story, um, and it's, it's actually a true story. Uh, it's not a preacher story. It's actually a true story. Uh, I was on a plane um, a, a while back. And it was one of those flights I had to speak the next morning, and I was um, I was sleep deprived, and so I was I was really struggling to even uh, stay awake. I just thought, you know, I'm not going to be rude to whoever's on the plane with me here, but I'm going to sleep now. I have a three and a half three hour flight, so um, it's it's lights out for me. Uh, smile at the person, say hello, and uh, then go to sleep. So this uh, it turns out that. Uh, 
that I, I, I fly an awful lot and my airline had upgraded me. And so I knew I was going to be comfortable that night. And so then as I'm, as I'm sort of tucking myself in while we were still on the tarmac, this lady comes uh, bopping into the seat next to me. Turns out she um, had been moved to this seat. And she starts introducing herself as she sits down. I was not looking her way, uh, but she's sort of forced by, by, by beginning to talk to me as she's sitting down for me to talk to me. And the first things out of her mouth was, um, hello, my name is, I'm a Harvard graduate. And I thought, <laughs> my first thought was, what is wrong with you? Um, and my next thought was, well, it's good, good for you, you know, uh, but uh, I don't really care, you know. And then, uh, and then the next thing out of her mouth was she said, I, I am the, I'm the owner of a large and very successful uh, marketing company, and she named a, a large city in the U.S. and where we were actually headed. And I thought, where, where does this lady get, uh, you know, what is she doing? What, and why is she sitting next to me? And so uh, I'm just sort of smiling politely, trying not to respond too much because I want to sleep. And uh, and then she proceeds to tell me about um, some lifestyle choices she's made. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, Lord, I'm not going to get any sleep tonight, am I? Uh, obviously, this lady, uh, there's something so much stirring in her heart that she's saying inappropriate things to a perfect stranger. Um, and, uh, and then she tells me that, um, that she hates Christians. Um, and she said, I especially, she said, I hate those born againers, especially Bible thumpers. And I'm thinking, okay, in a few minutes, she's going to ask me the question, what I, what do I do? And I wonder if, if I should just say, I thump Bibles, and then I will get some sleep tonight. But, but I didn't. Uh, and so I'm. I'm. She. She tells me she really dislikes Bible thumpers and and fundamentalist Christians. And uh, now we've gotten to the heart. It's something that's really on her mind. Obviously. Then she says, "But I sort of like Jesus, but I I, I really hate Christians." And and then um, and then I think we're done. And then she says, "And I'm Jewish." So I began thinking, you know, I need to prepare myself for when she asked the question, what do you do? And so I, I, I thought for a while and I I had an answer when she asked me, she said, so what do you do? Took her a while to get there. But I said, I said, well, I, I help people discover God in the Bible. She said, I beg your pardon. I said, I, I help people discover God in the Bible. And, and she said, what, what's up with that? And I, I said, oh, it's, it's pretty simple, actually. What I do is not very complicated. I said, for example, you're, you're Jewish, right? And she said, yes. I said, well, do you have a favorite passage from the Hebrew Scriptures? And then her face turned a little terrified, like she had just walked into something. And, and, and so... So now she's, I, I can see she's thinking, this very smart lady, she's told me she's very smart. She's th- trying to remember a scripture that's really important to her. And then she, and her face just certainly uh, sort of lit up because she remembered one. And she said, yes, I have a favorite scripture. I said, so so what is it? She, and she said, it's the Shema, Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. There's about six or seven verses there. So, <clears throat> and that's the Shema statement. Hero Israel, 
the Lord thy God is one. So anyway, I said, well, can you, can you quote the Shema for me? Um, uh, um, you know, either in Hebrew or in English. I was I was praying she wouldn't say Hebrew. My Hebrew's not that good, <laughs> virtually non-existent. So, um, so anyway, she said, "Oh, I don't think I can." I said, "Well, you know, I like the Shema too." I said, "I wonder if between the two of us, we could figure it out together." Now, what I was thinking was, I don't dare pull my Bible out, or she's going to get terrified <laughs> that I'll thump it. You know, <laughs> so. But I really didn't want to bring the Bible out. I wanted this to be something that she had to think through. Mm-hmm. And so and so it took us 20 minutes. I sort of helped her and coached her a little bit. And I said, in the next verse, say something like this. And she said, yeah, yeah, I think it says this. And so we pretty, we pretty well pieced together the Shema. Um, and, uh, and we had it together. And then she was really proud of herself. Now, this took 20 minutes or so. She had to think through all of the verses of the Shema. Um, and, and those are verses that talk about the word of God and talk about uh, the love of God and the importance of, of sharing God's word and truth with people. And so when we, when we were done with that, then I said, so tell me, what did you learn? What do you learn from these passages about God? And what do you learn about yourself from these passages? And that prompted some real thought. And then she had some really interesting insights. Um, and, and then we came to the question, I said, so, so let me just ask you, based on now re- refreshing yourself with these scriptures and what have you learned through, through them, you discovered, what, what would, you, would you need to do to obey in this passages? What are points of obedience for you? And she sort of snapped her head around at me. It was like... This, like she had had whiplash or something, and she said, "I don't do obedience." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I called her name and I said, "Okay, is there another way we can talk about this?" <laughs> I said, uh, "How else could we talk discuss this uh, other than using the obedience, the O word?" And so she, 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 we 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 tumbled to the conclusion that she can say, "What would I need to do in my life to align my life?" with the God who created me. And so at that point, she began unpacking, well, it might require this sort of change in my life and this sort. But she tumbled to those conclusions, not me. And at the end of that time, by by now we're landing, we're landing uh, two and a half hours or three hours later. And she says, this was wonderful. This was absolutely wonderful. A delightful experience. She said, I just want to thank you. This is a wonder. And then she asked me if maybe we could continue on, but she never followed up. Well, that experience, she discovered the biblical part of a discovery Bible study. And that simple process that she went through without a Bible open, actually in her case, usually a Bible is open, is the same way that that hundreds of thousands of people are discovering God and obeying him and falling in love with Jesus. That is extremely encouraging, Jerry. Uh, thanks for chatting with me. And uh, your book is called Miraculous Movements. How hundreds of thousands of Muslims are falling in love with Jesus. How can someone get hold of the book? It's on Amazon, Amazon South Africa, Amazon, I think all of the Amazons. It's um, in Christian bookstores. Or they certainly they can order it. Some say 
So I encourage you to get hold of Jerry's book and read it. It's the same principles we're learning about in this website. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, David, for joining Well, if you enjoyed that interview, David Brudrick has more interviews and plenty of resources about disciple-making movements on his website. Just go to accelerateteams.org. That's accelerateteams.org. Bye now.